on this episode of Risky Business. And I'm a really big believer that compliance has to be part of the business. It can't sit to the side. It can't sit as an afterthought. It has to be fully embedded in the overall business processes. It has to just be the way we do business. I'm Steve Muddyman, and this is Risky Business, a show from GAN Integrity covering the wide range of issues in compliance and ethics, but with one goal in mind, empowering your people to do the right thing. What do ethics have to do with compliance? Gillian Paul, the Global Compliance and Ethics Director for Danon, believes businesses that have a clear vision of ethical standards at the C-suite will ultimately have a successful understanding of how compliance filters down throughout the company and how it impacts business performance. In our conversation, Gillian and I discuss how to embed that understanding in an effective way. She shares why taking time to understand the challenges in your colleagues' businesses, as well as the different situations around the world, can have a profound impact on how compliance has to adapt and change in a digital world. While you listen, think about whether or not you're keeping ethics and compliance at the forefront of your organization. Are you maintaining an open and collaborative culture? And how can you help people understand what is the right thing to do? Let's jump into my conversation with Gillian. Welcome to Risky Business. And today with me is Gillian Paul, Global Compliance and Ethics Director at Group Danon. Delighted to have you join us today. Why don't we start by you telling us about your role and and your journey at Group Danon? So I've been at uh, Danon for just over 16 years. I worked in uh, different business units in in different countries and spent the majority of, of those 16 years not in a compliance role, but in a commercial role. And about five years ago, I decided that I wanted to make a difference, a real difference to the way Danone did business, to make the world a fairer place and also to kind of play my part, as it were. In doing so, I had two relatively young children who kept saying, what do you do? And when you're in a commercial role, it's, uh, it's quite hard to describe that to a child. When you're in a compliance and ethics role, I think you can talk about what to play my part in making the world a better place. So... I was at the time global pricing director for our medical business and worked very closely with our compliance team uh, at the group level and sort of threw the question to them, would you consider somebody of my profile, you know, joining compliance? And they fortunately said yes. And five years ago, I joined the, the global compliance function for Danone. Amazing journey. I actually did check out your profile just beforehand just to see that career track record and whilst we've spoken before it's fascinating to see that your route into compliance actually is quite different from many others who have come more from perhaps general counsel background and and into the role so so talk to me about you know how compliance works in group danon it's probably worth also just maybe giving people a feel for group danon many i'm sure who are going to be listening to this podcast will know the brand because they've engage with the brand let's call it that you know through the multitude of brands that you have within the group so perhaps say a little bit about the company what it does some indication of the scale and you know the size of the operation and then specifically how you and your team operate within the business 
We operate really in three main categories. We operate in really dairy and plant-based yogurts, waters, and specialised nutrition. Specialised nutrition covering infant formula, but also covering specialised medical foods for people with rare, either rare metabolic conditions or people with, with cancer, um, etc. So the way in which our business is really set up is that we have a, obviously a global headquarters, but then, you know, really the business is decentralised at a country level. So our compliance organisation reflects that. We have a, a global team, um, which predominantly sits in our global head office, but we also have colleagues who work within some of the, the regions in order to make sure we can cover time zones and, and we're a bit more proximate. And then at the local level, for our effective entities at the local level, we then have a, com a local compliance organisation, a local compliance officer, and, and often they are supported by a team of compliance managers. So that's pretty much the setup for compliance that Denon looks after integrity, which is what uh, I'm responsible for. So everything to do with anti-corruption, anti-bribery, anti-fraud, ethics line, and including international trade sanctions, then we have antitrust or anti-competition and then data privacy. And that forms the compliance function. There's a lot to get into there, isn't there? Before we do that, can we talk about the culture at Group Danon? Because, you know, a lot of what I hear is the success or failure of how compliance programs, if we can call them that, are determined simply on the culture or the environment upon which the, the business operates every day. Could you describe or just talk to the way in which the foundation of, of how culture works at Group Down? We are a food and medical foods company. Um, so I think in terms of the categories that we operate in, we're very much about, and, you know, and, our, and our mission is really to bring health through food to as many people as possible. And you think about the geographical spread that we have as a business. And our vision is one planet, one health. And that's because, you know, we really believe that the health of people and the health of the planet are, are interconnected. So I think that gives you a foundation and a flavour of what Danon really stands for and what each of us as Danoners believe in and, and believe the role that we're making in the wider world. I would say from a cultural perspective, um, and I'm sure you, you've had many uh, guests say the same thing, but it fundamentally comes from the tone at the top. You know, if you have a very strong chief executive who is very clear on the standards uh, that the ethical standards that they want to operate and um, then you know that that filters down much easier within the organization and and our culture is very much built on you know openness humanism it's a very collaborative culture it's in some respects quite a flat culture uh, which allows people to have the freedom to feel like they can speak up when something's going right or there's a, a particular problem to, to solve. So I think when you sit in the job that, that I sit in, that gives us the foundation to build on, gives us the foundation as a compliance team to say, okay, how do we make the most of that? How do we drive that change? And I do believe that, you know, you asked me earlier about, I don't come from a classic um, background. You know, I don't, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a general counsel. But what I have had is extensive experience in the business. And I'm a really big believer that compliance has to be part of the business. It can't sit to the side. It can't sit as an afterthought. It has to be fully embedded in the overall business processes. It has to just be the way we do business. And, and I think as compliance professionals, if we can crack that, if we can build solutions um, educate people and inform and communicate 
people along that kind of line, you get their buy-in. And in a culture like Danone, where we're selling food, we're selling either dairy products. So these are really essential food items. Um, we're selling medical nutrition, for example. It then speaks, I think, to the people and the teams that we have worldwide about actually compliance is just about how we do business. It's about ensuring sustainability of what it is we are doing. And that gives us as a compliance team just a, a fantastic platform to work from. That point you just made there about compliance is about how we do business is a, is a pretty powerful statement to the point that you touched on there, having a commercial background, I suspect it gives you a unique insight in terms of how the company is run, right? It allows you to bring a different lens, if you like, on the things that are important to those in the organization. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important whether you've got my background or legal background or an audit background or a finance background whatever it is I think you've got to understand the business that you're in you've got to understand the challenges that your colleagues face in different situations around the world and then you have to work with them to design effective solutions I'll give you an example I'm sure we'll talk about it later but we look at our due diligence solution we could have easily had a whole team of compliance people who were just doing due diligence checks and I boldly made a decision some years ago to say, actually, we just need to make our due diligence process part of setting up a supplier on our, you know, on SAP or creating a purchase order number. It should not be anything, you know, that sits in addition, because the minute you make it an additional requirement after the event or you make it really cumbersome from a process perspective, people don't use it. And the only way that I can see to make compliance embedded and effective is to build it into the way in which we do business. And that does mean you have to understand the processes. That does mean you have to, you know, sometimes sit with your procurement teams and say, how does that work? Or, or you sit with, you know, treasury teams and you say, okay, how do you make these decisions, etc. And I think that's really critical. And yeah, I do have a unique advantage that I, I have worked in different countries, in different business units to be able to see that. Of course, I need to, you know, as part of the wider team lawyers in order to help. But I think the complementary element of that is really, is really important. If I think about my team, I have people from audit background, internal control background. I have lawyers who've both worked outside of the company professionally with authorities, etc., um, or with law firms. And I have people who have, particularly on our specialised nutrition business, where we're dealing with healthcare professionals. I've got, part of my team are people who have, you know, held senior roles in those functions as well. And I think it's the combination that we all bring a different perspective to the table that allows us really to get under the skin of the business to be able to design solutions that are really effective. Hugely interesting. I mean, we often hear compliance trying to get into the business, trying to demonstrate value. That heady mix, if you like, of different capabilities that you touched on there, people with audit backgrounds, internal control backgrounds, lawyers who have come from you know private practice as well as within the corporate world, healthcare professionals. That is a very eclectic mix of, of skills within a group, isn't it? And so this connection that you described, and we will touch on it, I'm sure, later on into the business, the obvious question I have to ask is, how is compliance perceived, therefore, in the organization? I mean, it's a journey. And every day, I mean, we are, our slogan is every day we go further with you. We can't do it without the rest of the non-family. We can't do it alone. But compliance, I think, has historically always been it's about rules or it's about a policy. 
yes, of course, these are critically important. But I also believe that, that compliance is more than that. It's about behaviours. It's about governance. It's about, I would say, the majority of people want to do the right thing. And our job is to help them understand what the right thing is, whether that's taking into account, you know, cultural norms in different parts of the world or just understanding that if they thought one or two steps beyond a particular situation, what the implications of that could be and, and how we could mitigate it. And I think when you can kind of cross the line to people to show that you are here to add value, you know, I give you an example. You know, I spent a long, long time of my career in, in sales. And, and I think it's quite easy to go and win business quickly in an, an unethical way. OK, well, I think we've all seen um, examples of, of that with different, um, you know, big news stories, big FCPA cases, etc. But people buy from people and people, you know, want to buy from people who are like them. And the integrity and the ethics that each and every one of us has at Danone in doing business with somebody matters because that's what drives the sustainability. It's not just a one-off deal. It's about if we genuinely you know, believe that we're here to bring health through food to as many people as possible, it's not a one-year solution. It's a long-term sustainable mission and it's a long-term sustainable goal. And that to me is if you can get beyond its rules, it's a policy you make it simple, you make it effective, you make it part of the existing business process, then, you know, I think you start to win hearts and minds. And once you get people over that threshold, then I think people start to become advocates and they start to become local ambassadors and understanding why we're doing it. And that, I think, we as a compliance professionals, the, the one challenge that I think we're all fighting for is making sure that we drive that transformation change, which is driving a cultural change. You know, every day we get somebody else to understand why we're doing what we're doing, we progress on. But there's a huge responsibility on us too, because, you know, I remember having a, a conversation with a compliance colleague in, in another part of the world who believed that we, the way to resolve a particular problem was we needed another policy. In my honest view, it was the last thing we needed. We needed to get to the absolute root of why, you know, a particular situation was happening and fix it at a procedural level. Because if we could fix it at a procedural level, then actually you don't need a policy, you know, because the policy, nobody will read, most probably. The effectiveness is how you build it to be part of the business um, and how you build those solutions. So I think we have... Uh, on the one hand, the most amazing job in the world, but I think we equally have an incredibly challenging job because every day we're, we're change agents driving that forward. That point there with regard to, you, you mentioned driving transformational change and how that therefore impacts culture. I guess my next question then is, because of the nature of that transformational change, that's not transformation at grassroots level necessarily, I suspect. It's transformation change that's also affecting and has eyes and ears and interest at the C-suite, right? You talked about the tone at the top just now when asking or talking about culture at Danon. The hooks, if I can use that term, into the parts of the organizations that you described, specifically procurement and treasury, you mentioned just now. And that transformational change aspect is something that surely is on the mind of the C-suite and therefore the kinds of things that compliance is driving, therefore, has to be highly visible. And I think you have to have strong tone from the top. Uh, I think that that's absolutely critical. Uh, they have to understand the value. And I don't think we should sell it as the value of, you know, in compliance and ethics. It's the value of how we do business and who we stand for. 
and what kind of company we want to be. And, and I think the compliance world has changed, I think, it's unrecognisable from maybe 10, 15 years ago, where, you know, most of the C-suite were, were in probably senior positions, not necessarily even thinking about compliance and ethics. So the mood around the world from different governments, etc., has obviously really driven more awareness on the topic. And I think when you get uh, the C-suite to understand this isn't a game just about rules or policies, but it's really about how we do business and how sustainable. The one thing every company wants to do is to maximize shareholder value and shareholders like nothing more than sustainable businesses. So I think if you can start to talk their language, um, if you can really come at it from a, a perspective of we're here to actually to really improve how we do business and make it simple and effective, then I think you, you start to move that cultural change. I'm not saying it, it's necessarily easy to do that. I think every compliance professional probably around the world, still we're still quite a, a young function, if you compare us perhaps to finance or, or some of the other functions um, that are much more established, we're still relatively young. But I do see more and more, and I, I don't just talk about Danone, but I talk about um, you know kind of globally just looking at other companies too. I do see that there is a, a faster and faster change of companies realising how important compliance ethics is as part of that overall kind of ESG strategy. And again, it was not there 10 years ago. So, you know, when you think about the transformational change that, you know, many of us have, have made during that time, I think it, it, it's significant. You know, if we look at the makeup of what's going on in the world right now, and we can't have this conversation without referring to the war in Ukraine and the impact that that's had on supply chains around the world. You know, this must be a huge impact on your business and on your customers, on your suppliers and third parties, and the complexities that places on you and your team now to, my words, become front and center in terms of how can you help navigate down on around this constant you know onslaught of new sanctions and laws and issues that that you have to deal with every day how has the team stepped up to that and how has that changed what you do every day as a result of what effectively happened earlier you know only three months ago I think it's been hugely significant. I mean, you just need to look at the continuous sanctions that have been released either by the European Union or, or the US governments with regards to, to the situation in, in Ukraine. And it, it's very fast moving. It's very fluid. It's, it's often, you know, dependent on what we're all reading in the news with regards to what's going on. So I would say that it, it has had a big impact in the way in which we work. Topics that for us, particularly on supply restrictions, we sell, you know, kind of yogurt and water and medical nutrition products. Um, we're not used to necessarily dealing with export controls or supply restrictions or dual use items, etc. So I think it's been a big learning curve for everybody, not, not least us as the compliance teams, but also our procurement teams, our supply chain teams, um, etc. I, I think... Um, we are very much, as a compliance team, part of the response, part of ensuring that we protect our business, um, that we're compliant with, with all applicable sanctions, etc. And, and that, I think, uh, for me, certainly formed a, a kind of twofold strategy. One, you cannot communicate enough in a situation like that. And, and I think we saw it with COVID too. So I would say in the last two years, we've seen two major shocks that have put compliance really front and centre of the business 
communication is critical. You know, you cannot communicate enough. We, at times, I think I'm communicating too much. And still, sometimes it requires, you know, two, three conversations for people to fully understand because it, it can be quite technical. And some of the supply restrictions are, well, you can do this, but not this, but maybe that. And it's not just from the EU. You know, many, many, many countries around the world are, are implementing sanctions too. And the second thing is, I think you really have to be during that crisis, whether it's COVID, whether it was, you know, how we handled donations on, on COVID or third party vetting of new suppliers for face masks or whatever, or, or the current situation that we find ourselves with Ukraine. It's about really being a key business partner with those business teams during this period of any kind of crisis response in that way. You have to be accessible. You have to maybe not know the answer to every question, but know where to go and get the answer and where to go and get the answer um, quickly to be able to protect the people, protect the business, etc. So, yeah, it, it's been it's been a, an eventful two years. I think if you were to ask that question to most compliance professionals, they'd probably all go, mm, yes, it's been an unexpected two years with regards to the role that we've played in these two major global crises. That's fascinating. Over the last five or 10 minutes of this conversation, we've talked about, you know, some serious heavy lifting here in, in terms of the role of you and your team, Danon. I mean, the words transformational change run off the tongue so easily, don't they? And we can all talk to that. For a size of a business that you are, the team that you have, uh, combine that with effectively becoming marketers, I guess, because of the need for constant communication, if you like. That, that is a set of skills, isn't it, that perhaps a traditional compliance team wouldn't typically be called on to be involved in. It must present for you as a leader a huge opportunity to um, help develop the team and think about other characteristics that you bring into the group. Are, are there partners that you work with outside of the team? You know, so I'm thinking typically of Maybe it's marketing, maybe it's the HR function, other organizations that help you to carry this wave that effectively you're leading here to, to affect change and bring everyone, as you said, on board. We work with a, a very wide a group within the company and outside the company, You know, whether it's in legal advisors or whether it's in marketing agencies, dare I say it, for our, our communications, etc. We cannot do our job in isolation. Um, we just think about the compositions of our compliance boards or our ethics committees, etc. You know, we work very closely with HR, we work closely with security, we work closely with finance, internal control, internal audit, procurement, you know, we work with a, a huge range of people within the business, depending, of course, on the particular topic, but we can't do it alone. And I, and I come back to something I said earlier on in the conversation, knowing the business, knowing who the people are, knowing who you pick up the phone to, that's really a huge part of my job is just knowing who to go to to get help or to, to get an answer to a question or to escalate an issue or whatever. We don't sit here in our little office producing policies and rules all day. We really have to be a significant part of that business. You know, even the countries, the same thing. It might be a particular situation in a country and you have to know your local compliance team very well to know who you need to activate on what topic and when. That, that's really critical, I think. We cannot sit in a little bubble and um, we are part of the business and we have to be part of the business. And that's for me when you look at the eclectic mix of maybe the team at Danon, but that's where it adds value. You know, I've got somebody based in the Americas, somebody based in Asia, 
the race based in, in Europe, you know, just having people who speak different languages even, who have the ability to communicate in a first language with somebody we would only be communicating in a second language, you know, all of that I think is about, it's about this openness, it's about this proximity that we have to our teams and our proximity to our business as well. Point you made earlier when you talked about being able to integrate into the other parts of the business, people, talked about communication we've talked a little bit about process one assume there's some underlying technologies that we don't need to necessarily speak specifically about what they are but could you just talk to how technology is a part of what you do every day and how that interconnectedness if i can use that term into those other systems of record that you touched on earlier. You talked about SAP, your ERP backend, I assume, and perhaps into some of the supplier portals and things like that that you may have within the organization. Could you just touch on how that combination of technology underpins the day-to-day operation of what you're doing there? Technology is critically important. We have a digital strategy for compliance um, in order to think really about the tools that we might need, but also how we connect to other business tools in order to make that happen. We're a huge business, okay? We operate globally. Um, Operating on Excel or on paper is not sustainable by any stretch of the imagination. You know, tools such as our ethics line, of course, critical. Um, Tools such as... um, e-learning platforms and the ability to know who's done any learning or not done any learning. Our due diligence, which considering the recent um, situation with regards to the war in Ukraine has, I think, for us been a huge benefit because very quickly business users all around the world can, can check whether you know, we're, we're being compliant with the applicable sanctions, etc. But it goes further than that. You know, if you just even take the COVID crisis, suddenly how we digitally signed documents or, or gave compliance approvals was something that had to be accelerated uh, maybe than before. How we have compliance workflow approvals, you know, where they're needed, how they're connected to other systems and tools that a business might have, managing expenses, for example, when somebody's maybe doing sort of hospitality or, or those kind of things. All of that's really critical. And I think, and I think everybody probably says it, but we're all striving for, you know, an effective program. And to have an effective program, you have to have simple and efficient and effective solutions. And they are not using paper-based, you know, Excel spreadsheets anymore. They really are. But how do you make it single-serve sign-on? How do you make it that you could take a photo and upload it? How do you make it really easy for people to use that it just becomes second nature? I remember very early on in my career filling out paper-based um, forms for claiming expenses, you know, as in sales. So we would have travel expenses, etc. And I look at now that you can take a photo, you know, with your phone of an app, you know, on an app and you can upload it and it all talks to to each other. That's where we need to get to with compliance. So digital solutions are a really important part for, for many reasons, not just the simplicity, but also the ability to have an audit trail of who's done what, the ability to know and be able to monitor and control what's happened um, or, or just look at previous situations, etc. All of that's super super important. We work really closely with our IT team um, in order to try to identify the right solutions within the company for that. And it might be an existing solution that we just have a a slight adaptation. You know, when when you're creating a purchase order, you can click to our third-party vetting tool, for example. That kind of simplicity for people 
means that, again, it's just part of doing business. It's not this, oh, all right, now I need to go and do the compliance process and 50% of the people forget to go and do it, etc. Just make it so that it's part of the process. And I think you know, every time we do that is every time I think we, we take one step forward to making compliance a really inherent part of the business. And that, I think that's really exciting. Gets me up every morning for, for sure. But, but I think it's also... We are a relatively, you know, young function globally compliance. I don't just mean at Danone, but I mean worldwide. And I think we have to strive to accelerate how we do things because, you know, we're not financed back at the, you know, turn of the last century when it was just becoming, you know, how to do things. We have to, in this digital world, move much faster. And I think digital plays a huge part to help us do that. You've sort of led me to to my next question, really, is I can't miss the opportunity to sort of pick up on some of the things that you've talked about the transformational change we touched on that digital leading a digital strategy making it simple and easy to use for people that's not a language you often hear coming from the head of compliance and ethics within a business where is the compliance not just at danon but where's the compliance function heading because you've talked about you know value and getting close and connected to the business and therefore the impact that you can have in driving value for those parts of the business, and obviously for a corporation at the top of the business too. Where do you see the role of compliance? And if if indeed is the term compliance the right term, given what we've just been discussing, where's it heading? Yeah, I'm not sure compliance is the, the right word, because I think it does scream to everybody of kind of rules and procedures and uh, and everything. You know, I think... In a world today where how you go about doing business, whether it be on the environmental side, whether it be on the social, or whether it be on the governance, you know, those aspects are just becoming expected of companies. And the role of compliance, I think, or compliance and ethics is really to ensure that we are at the forefront of driving how we do business in an ethical way. Because... I don't know what compliance will be called 10 years from now, but I think the movement on ESG, the movement of companies, you know, like Dino and many, many other companies, it will no longer be a competitive advantage to have these. It will be a competitive disadvantage not to have them. And I think, you know, the ethics part is, is part of that. And I think if I think about Danone, you know, bringing health through food, being one planet, one health, it's just a fundamental part of who, who we are. And therefore, ethics has to form the part of that. So in terms of the future, I, I can see a day where the work that we do is fully integrated into the business processes. You'll no longer have a separate compliance process if you want to make a donation, for example. Let's take a, a classic example like that. It will just be that as you're setting up the third party or as you're requesting the purchase order, you'll click, oh, oh this is a donation, and boom, boom, boom. The, the compliance process will sort of then take care of itself, ask you a few questions, double-check a few elements, and it will just be a part of that. It won't be, I need to do a donation. I need to go to the separate tool. I need to get a pre-approval there before I come back and do this. So if I could say my one wish for compliance and ethics over the coming five to 10 years is that we get to a stage where it is fully embedded into the daily business processes. And it's not an afterthought. And it's not something that sits out of that. When a company does a risk assessment, there's a natural compliance element to that. It's not a, oh, you need to now do your compliance risk assessment. You know, I, for me, that would be the, the absolute ambition. So that it just becomes how we do business. It's not about any more 
separate processes or rules or procedures. It's about the behaviours each and every one of us use every day. And maybe even use a bit like children, maybe use unconsciously. You do it because that's the way it's done. It's not that you're having to, you know, really get somebody to think differently about how they do business. They do it because, well, that's the way we do business at Danone. If we get to that point, I think I'll, I'll be ready to retire. Let's hope that's sooner rather than later for your benefit, huh? Just on that last point then, what you're effectively saying is that what you do and what you affect becomes part of everything that people do every day. So, so therefore, when we talk about things like gifts and hospitality or donations, as you put it, they're effectively disclosures, aren't they, of one form or another? You know, that surely has to be part of the onboarding program, the training for when an individual comes into the company. That becomes part of, look, these are the tools that we use. And of course, normally when an individual joins the business, you know, they get shown whether it's whatever the mail system is or how you use your file drives or some specialist software that you might need for the particular role that you have. And then we talk about how the business works, the organization. We often don't talk about many of the processes and procedures that sit behind that as being part of your everyday. So you mentioned expense management and the policies that sit behind that. They're often seen as something that's to the side. You'll get to that part once you're on board. What I think you're saying is let's make all of this part of the way in which you just work within this business and and the tools if you like to do that are as simple as the tools that we use both in our business world but also in our personal life too such that they just do what they need to do in the most simple and effective way but the data is contained within the organization for all to see absolutely and i wonder even in the future i think employee branding is really critical particular for you know kind of younger generations coming out of university or whatever and when you think about that onboarding process i think there's also an element of being upfront as to what kind of company you are setting out as part of the recruitment process that you know we take ethics we take compliance, you know, we take it seriously. We're not paying lip service to it or it's something that happens and you'll get to it maybe next year. It really is about making sure that the people who join our business understand what's expected with regards to how we operate. And of course, we've got codes of conduct. But I think as, if every manager who's recruiting has the ability to impart a bit of that, um, then I think that really is a game changer too. You buy certain products because of the perception that you have of those companies about how they operate in the world, whether it's their environmental strategy, whether it's their social strategy, um, etc. You don't buy others for the same reason. So how do we make sure that when people think about Danone, they really think about, okay, this is a business that one, really cares, one, has high ethical standards, and two, thirdly, maybe makes great products. You know, I think it has to be up there with the, we've got great brands, we've got great products, we've got great people, but also we operate in a really ethical way. I think that's hugely powerful what you just said. The competition for great talent, we we all understand. I don't think that's just a current phenomenon at all. I think that will be an ongoing one as people are more transient in what they choose to do and where they choose to do it. Those that are fighting to to acquire talent will work harder and harder, won't they, to be able to present themselves and that employer brand in the way in which you described it. Yeah, and I've got two teenage children who already have a very clear view of what they think, you know, what kind of world they want to grow up in. 
I think our education system is different. I think we're putting topics on the table with children that we've never done before. So they're becoming more demanding and they're the consumers of the future. So and the employees of the future. So, you know, I think um, it's important that we are really conscious of that and we're aware of that and that we're doing what we can from a compliance and ethics perspective to make sure that when, you know, the talent of the future is thinking about which companies to join. We're up there with the best of them to say, yes, come and join us because for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Hugely exciting. And we've just talked about another element of how the changing world of compliance is affecting, you know, much more than the here and now. We're talking about the ways in which, you know, a brand the size of Danone is perceived in the world, not just in terms of the policies it has and the products that it actually develops and sells, but also in terms of the way in which the types of people that want to be part of that and drive that change and ultimately that movement. So I guess my last question then is we've covered so much ground and it's been fascinating conversation. If there are a couple of lessons that you've learned, you know, as you've come through your career that you could impart here to others that are embarking on a career within or on the fringes of ethics and compliance, how would you describe that, Gillian? I think the biggest lesson that I have learned, and this was a lesson also from my commercial time, is that you know you always have to step into the shoes of the other person. And you've taught that very, very, very early on in your sales career to understand the perspective of the other side. And and I think the same is true for compliance. You know, we might think we're de- developing something amazing, and you send it to you know a business colleague somewhere who just goes. I don't understand that. I don't understand a word of it. What are you talking about? You know, so I think the continuation to listen, to be humble, to be willing to change and really to strive for the simplicity, the simpler we can make a message, the more effective it is. So if we talk crisscross doubles of this law or that law or this requirement or that requirement, um, if we fail to talk in their language, then we, we fail to connect and we fail to communicate. And that for me is a, a lesson that you know started well before my time in compliance, but it's probably a learning that I was able to really bring um, to my time in compliance. In terms of advice for somebody coming into compliance, I, you know, I think we have, in some respects, I think we have the best job in the world. We have the ability to make a huge difference to the world we live in. And you only need to, to read the news for you know a few days to, to see the impact we can make by making the world a, a fairer place. There's been enough scandals that have happened recently where one rule for some people and, and another rule for other people. So we have an ability to make a huge difference. And you know, as a mum of two kids, I, I want to, to build a world where you know they have a fighting chance of, of it being a better and a fairer world than, than it maybe is today. I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight. But we all have to play our part to, to make that happen. I think if you're somebody who wants to really drive change, who wants to have a big impact, who genuinely you know, has a passion for driving sustainability on a business, understanding a business, making it making it fair or better, working with a broad range of people, I think a career in compliance and ethics is a super opportunity for somebody who wants to have a significant amount of bread but also wants to make a, a massive impact. Thanks for listening to Risky Business. For more insights and resources, check out the show notes or go to ganintegrity.com and be sure to follow along wherever you get your audio.